0: live. I'm going to say He is risen and I want you to say He is risen indeed. We'll do it twice. He is risen. He is risen. Amen to that. Do you believe it? <laughs> Let's tell Him thank you. Thank God for that. Oh, it's a reality. Hey, say thanks to this choir and orchestra and Wendy and all of you guys, uh, thank you so much. My goodness, you can, you can sit down if you're able to do so. I, uh, I thank you so much for being here and I apologize for the, the challenges for some of you to get in here. We have, I just made the rounds earlier, hi everybody from all the rooms, uh, nine video venues going on in this building right now. All over the place and uh, we are excited about that. We've, uh, We've tapped in about every room that we can and so to all of you in all those rooms upstairs and down the halls and up in the lobby upstairs, thank you for your patience and your heart and your wanting to be here to celebrate the greatest day ever in history. And uh, we really appreciate it. So here's what we need to do. We just need to respond and react as we would normally. Those of you in some of those rooms where there's not a lot of people, just turn to your neighbor, make sure you know them, and tell them you're going to get loud a little bit later, okay? So we really appreciate you being here. Welcome to Timberline. If you're a guest, it's always like this. And uh, we... we... <laughs> no, it's not quite. But we're glad everybody's here. Um, I know upstairs in some of the chairs we would not have a communication card, but uh, in most of the auditoriums that we have, there are communication cards in the back of the, of the chair in front of you. And if you wouldn't mind just taking that out and filling it out and giving us a record of your visit, I promise we're not going to come over, trap you, call you, sell your name or anything. All right? It's just for us. So God bless you. There are many great churches in our city and in northern Colorado, and we want you in one of them. So God bless you if you're looking for a church. Uh, we welcome you. Lots of ways to find out about Timberline, from the web, TimberlineChurch.org, to some of the sheets we have as you go out today, if you have interest in some of the, the activities that are coming up, and read your bulletin today. How many of you noticed there's a nice big calendar in the middle of that? I, was, I didn't even know that until I opened it, and I went, oh, well, look at that. So that's kind of fun. So hopefully you'll uh, be informed. Hey, today is Easter, and I want to talk to you about a topic that I've simply called Lay It Down lay it down I I think it came to me when I was watching the cop show Now I'm not a big cop show fan but some of them I kinda enjoy it kinda draws you in with the mystery of what happened between CSI and all the places and NCIS and real cops and good cops and chasing cops and how many cop shows are there anyway uh, there's a bunch or just a good movie with a good guy and a bad guy there's always a moment in, in, in that episode or in the movie when the good guy either has a gun or a knife or something on the bad guy and he says, lay your weapon down. Now. And it's tense. Like it's, it's where everything's going to happen. And if they lay it down, then they're going to get away peacefully. If they start a fight, some people are going to get hurt. Right? And I started thinking about that moment of what it means to lay it down. Especially related to Easter. Because Jesus Christ made the statement, no man takes my life from me, but rather, I lay it down. Jesus laid it down, His life, for you and me, so that you and I could lay down some things in our lives. And I want to talk about what those are. Bonnie and I enjoy a a good movie once in a while. The only challenge with Bonnie is she she has this requirement for us to see a movie, and it's, it's that it ends happy. She, I heard some amens in here. How many of you are like that? It's just a good ending. Is there, But see, the problem with that for me, I like them too. 80% we agree on. But the problem is there's some movies that take you somewhere emotionally and, and in your thought processes that don't end happy, but you, they're still good to see. Anyone on my side in this? A few of you. Okay, tell Bonnie that. Okay. But anyway, um, the one thing I love about Easter is like a movie in that there's drama, there's death, there's risk. There are weapons in the Easter story. There's power. There are politics, huge politics in the Easter story. Think about all this. There's money. There's greed. There's betrayal. But the best part about the Easter story is that it ends happy. (laughs) There's a really good ending. He is alive. And that's what we are celebrating today. The first thing that I think we are called to lay down, and all of these components are found in this story, is the sword. Lay down the sword. If you want to write these down on your bulletin, the stuff will be on the screen. And maybe you can think about it throughout this week. Now I have here a pretty big sword. This is like the real deal here, so give me just a minute. It's heavy. This is an, a serious sword. This belongs to Pastor Scott Kissel, and uh, he keeps this in his office. He he does a lot of counseling. <laughs> this this comes in handy. Uh, I'm kidding about that counseling stuff. But anyway, um, I want I want to explain what's happening in the story what, that I'm about to read because Jesus has had some time with his disciples. They've been prayerful. Jesus has gone through the anguish of drinking the cup that he knows is the sin of the world upon him. And he's about to be arrested by the soldiers. The soldiers come into the garden. They're looking for Jesus. And who's leading the pack? Judas. And he's going to betray Jesus by probably kissing Him on the cheek to let everyone know where Jesus is. So Judas comes in. He kisses Jesus. And we pick up the story right there. John 18, verse 10. Then Simon Peter drew a sword... And he slashed off. Try to say slashed very fast. You'll say slashed. That's okay. He slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. Most scholars believe that he took a swing and, and Malchus ducked and it just took his ear right off. But Jesus said to Peter, Thank you, Peter, you have saved my life. I needed you today in the garden. No, it doesn't say that. Look at what it says. This is really important for us to get this. Because sometimes we try to live with a sword. Jesus says, put your sword back into its sheath. Put it away, Peter. Then He says, shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given Me? You see, Jesus knows that if He doesn't do this, you and I can't do this. There is a bigger decision that he is making than the decision of the moment. And life is like that so often. And when we get in a habit, especially as a so-called Christian, which I don't even like that term anymore. It's been used by everybody. Sometimes Christians have a reputation of living angry. Of being mad all the time. Carrying their sword. Well, I'm going to get this straightened out. I'll take care of that. You give it to me. I'll get our country back. I think it's kind of creepy when Christians use the sword thinking they are protecting God. Peter was protecting God in his mind. How many of you know that God does not need your protection? He doesn't. Why? Because He's God. That's why we don't have to live with the sword, an angst, an anger, a frustration. It's why we can lay it down today and let go of our anger and say, Lord, I submit my life to You that I no longer have to live like this. But I can lay down the sword and I can lead with love. That's what Easter is all about. He's called us to lay it down. The second thing that that I want you to lay down and I want to lay down in my life is the spear. The spear is a very important weapon in Jesus' day. It was used for a variety of things. What's happening in the the context that I'm going to read to you is that Jesus is now on the cross and He has died for the sins of the world. He was an innocent man, but He's been crucified, tortured, brutally beaten, and He is between two thieves. That's why you see always the picture of the three crosses, is because Jesus was in the middle of two thieves. The story tells us about that. And, and as I read this, I want you to see what happens because the Jewish leaders don't want to have to look at the bodies on the cross during Passover because it's messy, out of sight, out of mind. They don't want to deal with it, so they have a very, very unique request. Let's pick it up. John chapter 19, verse 31. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, a very special day, because it was Passover. So they asked Pilate, and notice this, this is unbelievable, they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken and their bodies could be taken down. What happens, death by crucifixion, they're pinned out and it's usually death by crucifixion. I mean by suffocation, it is crucifixion, but what happens is the, the, the person suffocates because they they just keep wilting and finally their lungs give in. And What happens when they break their legs is there's no more support for the person to, to have to hold up their chest. And so they die that way. So let's look at what happened. Verse 32. So the soldiers came and they broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that He was already dead. So they didn't break His legs. One of the soldiers, however... Pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. Probably right in the heart. Probably right up under the ribcage and pierced and the blood and the water would flow out from the body of Jesus. Here's the question why did he do that? To make sure. To make sure. See, this is this is important. I don't want you to miss this metaphor. He was responsible to make certain that Jesus was dead. And He's going to take it into His hands to get it done. The spear for me represents when I take over, when I take my rights, when I become God, when I play God, when I say what should be and what shouldn't be, and I start jabbing. Because I'm only having one shot at this, and I'm going to give it my best. And there's an attitude that goes with this. The spear is what we use... When we want to get our desired results quickly. Because we don't like waiting. Even in the context, they don't like waiting for these guys to die. They're saying, hurry up, break their legs so we can get them out of here. We don't want to see them anymore. And so sometimes when we wait on God, tough things happen. I grew up where we, we really enjoyed iced tea. and um, And I learned at a very young age to make iced tea and brew it. And I can still see the pot. And I put some water in it, about that much. Had a little copper bottom on the pot, and I would tie four tea bags together, and I would let the water reach a boiling spot. All this is when I'm two. I was amazing. I was quite a child. And <laughs> now I was probably older than that, but I was pretty young. And and I knew that when the water would boil, I would move it over and put the lid on with the tea bags inside. Why? So it could steep. Or stew or brew or whatever it's called and, and, and I would wait that was the problem for me because I'm ready to have some tea and my mom would say well no you need to let it steep just let it sit there well what can I do there's nothing you can do it just takes time well I don't have time I want to make it now well then it won't taste right you've got to wait I don't like waiting we don't like waiting. And where is God? Some of you right now are going through stuff in your life and you're saying, God, where are you? I'm ready. Hello. Come on. Get on with it. Do your thing. I uh, I know that sometimes we change the Lord's prayer from Thy will be done to My will be done. And that's the story of the spear. I met some... I didn't meet them. I've known them for years. Billy and Aline Patterson. I found out Aline was here in our last service. Wish i had known that, but... I went to see them last Monday, and Billy is dying of what is called a disease called ALS, and um, some refer to it as Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a progressive uh, neurodegenerative disease that affects nerve cells in the brain and the spinal cord, and you lose motor skills and eventually causes death. I I asked him if I could take a picture. I'm sharing some thoughts with you because he's given me permission to, but put the picture up of, of Billy. Now, Billy and Aline are are wonderful people of God. Billy was a coach out at Tavelli Elementary School for years. Anybody remember that? All of our kids had Billy as a coach. He was a tough guy. He was firm. I mean, he was a man of conviction. He could make it happen. He's a control guy. And I said to Billy, as he has now had much of a life change, how has this impacted you and what's different? And he had that big smile, and he put his head back, and he said, in his slow, whispery voice, he said, I have had to learn about patience. Then he, said, then he smiled and his head went back like that and he said, Something I wasn't too good at. I said, what's another takeaway? He said, I've had to learn how to depend on others because I was Mr. Independent. What else have you learned, Billy? I've learned that there are things beyond my control. I've learned. And this was was huge. He said, I have learned more in my pain than I have ever learned in my successes. You see, sometimes we can't just take out a spear and make it happen. Sometimes it's about resting in a God who has already laid down His life for you. And you submit and you surrender to Him. Some of you are there right now lay down the sword the last thing is the stone this stone is just here to represent the stone that went in front of the tomb John chapter 20 verse 1 says early Sunday morning while it was dark Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone the stone and this is why we're celebrating today had been rolled away from the entrance she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple and and the one whom Jesus loved meaning John They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. And we don't know where they've put Him. Who put the stone in front of the tomb? Do you know? It was actually the religious leaders came to the authorities and said, look, Jesus has made this statement that He's going to rise on the third day. So could we put a stone there and could we put a seal on it and could you guard it with Roman guards because we don't want His disciples to come and steal the body and say He rose from the dead and create a big lie and all that. So the government protected this tomb and this stone. But the government cannot keep Jesus in the tomb. You cannot keep Jesus in the tomb behind the stone. Yet that's often what we try to do. We try to control where Jesus is. You know why they put a stone in front of that tomb? and guarded it, because they knew where He was then. We're in a culture. Can you say compartmentalization? We're in a culture. You know what that means? We're in a culture that basically says, okay, Jesus... um, I'm going to keep the stone in front of you here, and then I'll let you out on Sunday. Okay, it's Sunday. Come on out. We're going to church. Good. You're going to love this. We're talking about you today. That's fun. We get back home. It's Friday night. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to this party. should be a great party, but you're not invited. (laughs) And we pick and choose. When we keep the stone, it's almost like this other prop I have that is sad, but I'm going to use it. You know what this is? The leash. You hooked this on a dog. Here, Jesus. <whistles> come on. I know people like this. Okay, come on, be a good boy. Oh, now, we're walking with Jesus. Sit. Stay. Good boy. Fetch. We really like it when he fetches stuff we want. We really like to tell him to go get the stuff that we need. Can I tell you something? Jesus is not interested in staying behind the stone. No stone can hold him, no grave can keep him, no leash is enough. Jesus rose from the dead so that He could be a part of every day with you, every moment with you, at the Friday night party, at the Sunday morning experience. He wants to be in your spiritual life. He wants to be in your sexual life. He wants to talk to you about money, how you spend it, how you save it, what you do with it. He wants to talk about your health, every issue. That's why He came back from the dead. It's why He laid down His life. And so today, I invite you to lay down the stone. To lay down the sword. To lay down the spear. To offer yourself to this God who loves you. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you. I don't know what else to say. It's a challenge for us. We know that You are a real God who died for our sins. And I ask You in this moment to do what only You can do by Your Spirit. We trust You to do it. We believe in You to do it. Talk to people's heart even now. With heads bowed in all of these rooms all across this building today, I just want to invite You to respond but what it is you need to lay down today? Is it anger? Is it that angst, that frustration? Is it an attitude that's not godly or right? You need to lay it down today. Is it sin? Is it addiction? Lay it down. Is it controlling stuff? I'm inviting you through the big invitation from God first. To lay it down. I'm just going to ask you in your mind to just sort of imagine whatever the issue is in your life and we all have them to just bring it to the cross today in your mind right now just bring that whatever it is however you've identified it in whatever room you're in right now just lay it at the foot of the cross knowing Jesus takes it to the grave with him and he lays down his life for us so that when he raises his life back up the sin is gone. He takes you with him. How many of you know what you're laying down right now? Just lift your hand to him. It's a good moment. It's a refreshing moment. God bless you. And those of you that just need to pray a prayer to say, Lord, I need you as my Lord and Savior. I want you to say this with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. And by the way, sin is just anything that separates us from God. Forgive me for that which separates me from you, Lord. I am sorry, truly. I own it today. I accept responsibility for my actions and thank You that Your death and resurrection means I can come and I can put it back on You. I don't deserve it, but I am grateful. By faith, I am saved. By faith, I trust. And I run to You and I accept that forgiveness by the faith You've put in me today. And I trust You with my future for Your glory. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. I love you. We're going to continue our worship today with our offering. This is for our tithe and offering. Some of you are prepared for the one day feed the world offering. And that's going to be in a moment on your way out. So hold that if you've already prepared for that. But this is for those of you who consider Timberline your church home and you believe in its vision and what we're doing. Ushers, would you come at this time? If you're a guest, we don't expect you to give in this offering. Just be our guest, okay? Drop your communication card in as the plate goes by in front of you. We're going to continue our worship and sing a wonderful praise song. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give and to worship and to celebrate. Lord, we bring our tithes and offerings to you. Thank you for the vision you've put in all of our hearts to reach a city, to reach a world. For your glory we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Sing it for church. Thank you, Lord. The rest of you stand with us if you're able to do so. God bless you and uh, all of these auditoriums. Again, a great big thank you. I want to just say, um, one day to feed the is making a difference in the world. We have asked over the last few weeks, if you've not been here, you've not heard this, and it's really not for you. You can participate if you want, but it's a sacred moment for us. One day to feed the world basically is giving one day's wage. I don't know if you know how much you make in one day. You could average it out over the year, however you want to do it, or whatever amount God puts in your heart. But for me, it's one day's wage. And Bonnie, I remember going to work the day that I picked to say, this day I'm working for the poor and the marginalized. And uh, as we give these offerings today on the way out, 75% of it goes to Convoy of Hope, which is a tremendous international organization which we believe in. Our first responders, they were in Haiti day one. They were in Chile. Every time you hear there's a world disaster and you've participated in this, you know you're on the ground there through Convoy of Hope. It's why we do this. And it's a good feeling. Uh, 25% of this offering goes to the first responders and the needs of northern Colorado. And so as you give today, you're giving to people in the world who would have no idea the kind of lifestyle that we are able to have here in this country. And I thank you. Don't give out a guilt. That's not, what, that's not what's important. Give out of love and care to make a difference in the world. And uh, if you didn't prepare and you don't want to give anything, that's fine. If you want to put something in on your way out, they will not let you out unless you give, though. So you know, I'm, I'm just kidding. Obviously, there's no pressure at all. But there's for your convenience, there's buckets at the doors being held by someone. You can give that. But we've got to do it one more time before you leave. He is risen. Give Him praise one more time before you get out of here. Thank you, Lord. You are alive. God bless you. Our prayer team is going to be up here. If you want to pray with someone in any of these auditoriums, come on up. Have a great Easter. God bless you.